Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome to Episode 9, our second part of our discussion of total depravity. Okay, um, so why do we believe what we believe? Why are we believe that Adam is non posse, non picari, and, as my point out, posse picari? Mm. It's not possible for him not to sin, and it's possible for him to sin. Uh, well, there are a long list of verses, and I will also put this in the description. Um, and I don't have this guy's name. It was in the... When it printed off, it didn't print it. Um, but I will put this... This Whoever this was did a lot of work that I used, and I'm thankful for him uh, putting this list together. Uh, but basically, we're going to be answering some basic questions about man state and uh, there are more verses here than what we have time or to read mm-hmm. but the first one is is man basically good or basically evil in in our first in fact when i coined the phrase the word doxapraxy <laughs> we were talking about this the doctrines of grace having a practical outworking and i think at least in the american society today it's everywhere the uh, underlying belief that people are basically good mm-hmm. and then you got to explain well, why is there all this evil in the world if we're basically good what's causing it we're not educating them right our government policies aren't good they don't have you know they're in poverty and we start turning to all the fruit of evilness and trying to figure out how we can fix it instead of looking at the root of evilness which is man himself mm-hmm. Um, and so we have this, uh, but it's weird though, right? Cause we also agree with Machiavelli that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Well, why, you know, I mean, you and I would say that our sinful hearts mean that anytime we get a circumstance where taking advantage of it will lead to sin, our sinful hearts are inclined to go in that direction on their own. And yet the world who doesn't have evil hearts still sees that you know it's almost a perfect correlation and you kind of wonder why don't they put two and two together right it just doesn't make sense yeah it is surprising that you would they would not be able to come to to those conclusions that oh maybe there's something here i was going to say something else but i forgot so i'm sorry no 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 in response to your what you were saying um, so is man basically good or evil? We're going to say he's, he's basically evil. He's evil to the core. It, some people I've heard phrase this, that we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Mm-hmm. That's our, our natural state. Um, one child-rearing book says that um, every child is born a murderer, and you must discipline that out of them, which I thought was, was, was good, which is not how we typically view um, our children. Well, let, I mean, let's be honest. That's the origin of the phrase "beat the hell out of them." Yeah, is not vulgar or a curse word, but the idea is you have to discipline them out of their natural sinful mm-hmm. bend. So, yeah. I apologize if that offends anybody. It was, it was meant to be used technically. Not doesn't offend me. Um, I don't actually I, use that. That my parents actually did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. 
is man basically good? Uh, we have some verses here that we're going to read, both out of Romans 5, Romans 5, 7 through 8. The, I believe these are all ESV because that's what he put them in, and I didn't re-translate um, them back into the more wooden, but perhaps more accurate NASB. Um, Romans 5, 7 through 8, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners or enemies, Christ died for us. Uh, so we're all uh, sinners and enemy, enemies. Romans 5, 12 uh, and 19, both of those together say, Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all had sinned. And then uh, 19 says, By the one man's disobedient, the many were made sinners. Any uh Additional verses on the kind of overall topic or anything you want to say about those verses? Um, so if we're looking at kind of good in the core, I take that to be asking, like, what is our natural birth state? Um, and I, I feel like somebody who disagrees with us would say, as we choose to sin, we become corrupted. And so a lot of these things are true, but they're true of someone who has been taught to sin and therefore has become corrupted over time rather than that being their starting point. Um, have you, just a practical question, have you found that to be the case, like you have to teach your kids to Oh, absolutely to not. sin? No. Now, um, I'm sure they are learning sin from me, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, no, I, I find that children come to selfishness and sin very, very easily. In fact, it's the, the righteous behavior that's actually rather difficult to instill in them. Right. Yeah. Um, but so I, I had two that I think speaks to cut the legs out from under that argument and say, this is how people are, not what they become. Okay, so um, Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. All right, here I think you've got two categories set up, and I would argue that Scripture gives us two and only two categories of people. And in this case, Paul is saying the, the one category is those who set their mind on the flesh, and the other is who set their mind on the Spirit, and you have the saved and the unsaved. It's, I, I don't think there are other categories out right. there. This is just a binary set here. So, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, and I would argue that scripture makes clear that we're born in the flesh. Uh, in fact, the passage that I wanted to read that I think really reinforces that point is Ephesians 2 starting in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Okay? And I think at this point, if Paul stopped there, we might still have some argumentation that could go on. But he continues and just drives this home. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So, and I would argue that this is something that Paul is absolutely universalizing. Um, this isn't Paul just saying that he 
and the Ephesian recipients of this letter, like I think that this is a universal all, and I think it's pretty clear because... Well, and just a pause there, because we're gonna, I'm gonna read a verse where we're gonna, that we use the limited atonement where we said the all was just the elect. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to say that all the elect are really bad? What's that say about the unelect, you know? <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> uh, They must be better. Right, what? right. So, yeah. But I, I, this is important because I think we, we have to look at all of the alls and we have to look at context and, 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 and really not just assume or read in what we want it to be, but here's why I think this is a universal all and not just all of the readers initially. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. I think that somewhat immediately universalizes it. And were by nature children of wrath. To me, that is total depravity, done, case Mm -hmm. closed, okay? But he doesn't stop there. He finishes with, like the rest, and most translations will supply something like, of mankind. So, we were, you were dead, just like we all were, because of what we are, just like everybody is. I mean, it's, it, it starts with, this, but then I think Paul gradually just opens it up so that he's saying all of this there's is no doubt. There, there's no doubt that this is totally universal. No. Um, and I guess I'm sure we'll get to it a little bit later, but I think Romans 3, uh, where he's quoting from the Old Testament a good bit, also makes it explicit this is a universal problem, and it's mm-hmm. not a universal problem by practical application, but by nature. It's not just something that happens to come on everybody as they grow up and everyone happens to sin. But I'll wait to get to that one a little bit later. Well, our next main topic is, is it all men or are there any exceptions? So in Romans 3. (laughs) So yeah, so Romans 3, 23 um, is there. I actually have that as the second one because I wanted to quickly go to Isaiah 53, 6, which we dealt with under limited atonement. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And he goes on to say, I don't have it memorized. Um, but you, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Of us all. And we said, you know, the all and the all. He laid the iniquity of us all. Even if this is just talking about the elect, mm-hmm. which, like the point I just made, all the elect have gone astray. You know, we're like cattle who've gone our own way. Mm-hmm. What's that talk about the the unelect? And then Romans three twenty three, one that uh, we've memorized uh, as kids, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is one passage in a whole one verse in a whole passage where Paul is basically condemning mankind. No one sees God. No one you know looks you know after God. No one desires God. All those things. You want to you want to read it? See how many of those I. I hit or made up on my own. Well, yeah, so starting in Romans 3, verse 9, um, I would argue that Paul initially, so I think in Romans 1, Paul is poking Gentiles as a group in the eye and saying Gentiles are under God's wrath. I mean, the the righteousness of God is being revealed from heaven and, and all about the wrath of God. And I've commonly heard and agree with the fact that the Jews would have been listening to Romans 1 and like cheering Paul on, yeah, those Gentiles, they're terrible. And then in chapter 2, Paul goes, "Mm -hmm. oh, really? And then all of chapter 2 basically is poking the Jews in the eye and saying, yeah, the Gentiles are awful and bad off. 
and you guys aren't any better. And in fact, you're probably in a worse state because you have the oracles of God and are still bound up under sin. You know, they have the law of God on their heart, but don't have the oracles of God. And so then he gets into chapter three and he's saying, um, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not all. For we have already charged that all, and again, what does the all mean here? Both Jews and Greeks. So I would say here, he's initially starting with all groups. All groups are under sin. And then I think he's going to further drive it home into universal individual problems. So, you know, I, I want to be fair and I want people to hear us trying to contextualize everything. Um, all sin, both Jews and Greeks, sorry, all both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. And then I think this is a summary that is universal to all people and encompasses all of the sins that were just listed. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I think that is a universal truth. And I don't know how you can read Romans chapter mm -hmm. 3 and come away with any other interpretation. So, and if you, I mean, if, just continue. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, right? So the law only applies to people under its jurisdiction so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. I'm not sure how to read that in a non-individual. I mean, I, I, I guess it doesn't really matter if you read it as a group or an individual, but everybody, every mouth in the whole world are held about accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. So I think we've just established total depravity. I don't, yep. I, I don't know how to go through that and come away with a Pelagian understanding. Yep. I agree. Um, I was just marking off Romans 3, 9 through 12. I jumped ahead of you. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Oh, I told you to, so you're good. Uh, I asked you to. I didn't tell you to. Um, another... And then I chose. Yeah, then you chose. Yeah. Oh, I wooed you into it. <laughs> um, Romans eleven thirty two. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Again, we might have to work out those awes. Uh, there, but there's uh, a lot of verses that we could um, look at uh, that that say it's it's all people. Um, so the next question he says, well, but aren't deep down, deep, 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 deep down, um, people are are kind of good, right? No. <laughs> no. Um, and this is the passage you, that you read, kind of start off with uh, Mark seven twenty one through twenty three, when we we're talking about Pelagius where Jesus gives this list of vices and he says, you know, all evil things come within from within and they defile the person. Um, our hearts deceitful um, above all things. Well, and, and so, yeah, that's a quote from Jeremiah, right? So this isn't new to the New Testament. Right. Right. So you've got the quote from Jeremiah if you want to read that one. Yeah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then there's Micah chapter 7, verse 2. The godly is perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among mankind. Mm -hmm. uh, some other ones, Ephesians uh, 
4, 17 through 18, you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is within them due to the hardness of their heart. Oh, well, it's just the Gentiles, right? Um, and then Matthew 15, 19, Jesus is talking to Jews. He says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual, uh, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, probably uh, a parallel of the Mark passage we read. Mm -hmm. Solomon, in his wisdom, after he'd done everything, he says, also the hearts of children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go down to the dead. So it's just universal condemnation of every person in every stage of life we are just sinful people and i think i mean if you go to revelation again you see very starkly that there are two categories of people those who are saved and make it into heaven and those who are not and it is because of their deeds their deeds are wicked they love the darkness rather than the light as john would say i mean it yeah. it it to me, it's, not, it's so not even close that it almost is a little difficult at first to come up with an anti-Pelagian argument because it's just, it's, it's so base level mm -hmm. of an understanding that he says, you know, that, that guy says, the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And I'm like, but did you read it? Right. Because I, so. Yeah, I'm not even, yeah. But I guess when I'm arguing with people who say that, you know, oh, children are born innocent and sweet and they're not sinners. And I'm like, but, and you're a parent. How? Right. And I think this is, I've said this before, this is related to total depravity. But I think that's why we have these phrases, terrible twos or terrible threes, is because we buy into this idea that children come out of the womb perfect and good and innocent and if they're crying it means they must want something that they actually have a need for it right. couldn't be that they're just tired or restless or selfish what my 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 six month old is selfish yes um and so parents treat their children with these kit gloves and just give in to their every whim until it becomes impossible like there comes a point where you know i guess some parents don't ever see that, but most parents go, okay, you're a bad, you're a bad boy, Timmy. And then they start trying to put on some strictures of discipline at two and three. And now we have this, I can't get this genie back in the box. Yeah. You can, but um, if you recognize, we, as children get older, I think they get tougher to manage, but we never had this crazy moment with our kids because we expected and treated them as sinners from from day one but yeah. uh so those last so mean i am mean yeah. uh well i wanted them to have the peaceful fruit of righteousness hebrews so 12 mean. hebrews 12. <laughs> um all right so the verses we just talked about talked about the heart or the mind um being deceitful uh we're gonna move on to the will or our ability to choose John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Um, and this is in that uh, passage where then they go, what? We're not slaves. Abraham's our father. <laughs> We've never been enslaved to anyone. <laughs> not the Romans, surely. Right. Um, Galatians 4, 8, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that were by nature not gods. But now you have come to know God and rather to be known by God. 
How can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Um, Romans 6, he kind of puts a bunch of verses together, uh, 6, 16, 17, 19, 20. Mm -hmm. um, instead of me skipping around, you just want to read kind of that passage and uh, exegete, or I can read it from here, either one. Yeah, uh, starting in what, verse 1? Uh, he starts in six, but whatever makes sense. Well, five um, starts that paragraph. paragraph. Yeah. <clears throat> For if we have been united with him, Christ, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. With the clear implication that we, if, if we're no longer enslaved to it, then we, we were, enslaved. were enslaved. Yeah. Right. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So with the clear implication that we were not free from sin. Mm -hmm. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What was that? That was uh, 14. Can you, can you keep going through 20? Yeah. That's a big ask. But... Uh, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. I would argue that the implication there is we were obedient to the heart prior to sin. Mm -hmm. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, so for, so for when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. You had no compunction to do what was right. In fact, you had the opposite. And now he's making, obviously, the contrast. Now that we are in Christ, we are slaves to do what's right, and we're, we should be free uh, with regard to the others. And I'll, and I'll make the point here. This is Romans, which Paul wrote to the church in Rome, whom he had never met. So I would argue that we can universalize this because he's writing it to anybody in that church that may read this and does not need to say, well, let's qualify this, mm -hmm. right? This is just a, a presuppositional assumption that applies to humans who have now become believers. Right. Yep. Uh, so that was our will. So we've dealt with our mind and now our will. Now we're going to move on to our affections. Uh, Romans 1, 24 through 27, uh, fairly famous passage. 
talks about folks not honoring God or giving thanks to Him and said they choose to serve and honor and love the, the created instead of the Creator. And it says, therefore, God gave them over uh, to their lust and their hearts to impurity so that they would dishonor their bodies. Um, we don't have to read all of that, but uh, um, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. It speaks to what we desire um, from from that state. Anything you want to say about those verses? Uh, I mean, I think you get down to verse 32, and he kind of sums up chapter 1. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. It is... Does it say approval or hearty approval? I think the NASB says hearty approval. I bet it's in italics. No. <laughs> well, maybe the, that approval in Greek just means that. But I think you, you see this played out. Um, there are people in our society who want to champion certain sins and vices. And not only do they do them, but they give approval of them and they expect... Even require. Require everyone to also approve and cheer and celebrate those sins. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Maybe because deep down they know that this is not right and they're trying to... to Mask. Mask and, and cover up their conscience. Yeah. Um, so some of these will, will, these some of these will be duplicative. Ephesians two three, which you already read, uh, we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Um, John three nineteen, uh, you already alluded to, um, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So our Will, our mind, and our passions, our emotions are all bent towards evil. Um, and then there's like some of these summary verses. Um, uh, he talks about our utter ruin. Um, Isaiah 1, 5 through 6, The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. So just the the whole is sick. And if that's too allegorical for you, Paul well, says. So I would say that that I think is something that's being spoken about Israel at that mm -hmm. time. But if Israel as the people of God who have received the oracles of God, if that's true of them, you can argue from the greater to the lesser mm -hmm. and say, then what about those who don't have the preserving character of God in covenant with them. It, it can't get better right. when God is further removed right. from you. Yeah, and I was going to say, in Paul, maybe the pinnacle of non-divine Jews, because uh, I, you know, I really like Paul, but not as much as Jesus. <laughs> Wait, Jesus was Jewish? Yes, he was, in fact, Jewish. <laughs> I saw somebody on Facebook recently who they were asked what their biggest revelation was about Christianity as an adult that they hadn't learned as a child and someone said that their biggest revelation was that Jesus was a Jew and I'm not sure some of those answers are like tongue-in-cheek but I don't know that, yeah. that like, seems how do you like a read big the, miss. the book of Matthew right where like it's to the Jews anyways we digress but Paul we do that a lot <laughs> who is the Jew of Jews trained under Gamaliel Gamaliel um, he was a 
Pharisee. Pharisee of Pharisees, he says. Hebrew of Hebrews. Hebrews, Hebrews. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Mm. There's nothing. He's just totally ruined uh, in, his, in his own. But maybe even given that state, we could choose another state. Maybe as bad as it is, we could see the light and go, you know what? I want that. And then alter our will towards it. So, but, that, but Paul didn't want to do that. Well, I know. So we got some verses that address whether we can choose. To. Okay. All right. That was a, uh, a, a setup question. Okay. So Jeremiah thirteen twenty three says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Which is not maybe politically correct in these days, but hey. Or the leopard his spots. Then also, can you do good when you who, you who are accustomed to do evil? Okay. Um, Jesus in Matthew 7 says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. I don't know if healthy and diseased are, that's where I probably would prefer the NASB, where he says good tree, bad tree. He talks about thorns and thistles and a fig tree bearing, but we get the point. Uh, Romans 8, 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Right. Um, so not only is this our condition in and of ourselves, we cannot recognize that condition and go, man, I want something, want something else. Thanks for listening to this episode on total depravity. Tune in next week for part three of total depravity episode 10. You've been listening to Mike and Mike theology plus the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology.